0: There's something about names, something special about names. Names have always had deep significance, because it's more than just what you call a person, right? Names have to do with someone's very identity. This is why we often associate character and name. You ever hear somebody say, that guy doesn't look like a Keith? Hear that? It's more than just what you call someone. There's something deeper going on with names deeply connected to our identity. Names carry meaning. They bear significance to us. And as a parent, I've always enjoyed the process of naming my children. For Allie and I, we have uh, three kids and we um, we always have some criteria that we use when we pick names. First of all, we have to like the sound of the name. It's hard to pick a name for your child that you have to say probably one billion times throughout the course of their life and uh, to not like the sound of it. So that's number one. Number two, just for us, we, um, we haven't, at least with first names, had any juniors in our kids. We didn't go that route. So for us, we've decided to pick names that were unique to us. Not that we've never heard of before, but that we didn't have someone close to us that we knew that had that name. So that was where our, our names came from. That's number two. And number three for us, there had to be some sort of significance. We wanted to have some sort of meaning Behind the names we chose, and for us, typically that's that's biblical for the pattern we've chosen, and so um, we have reasons for all the names that we picked. Scarlet, Hudson, and Judah—we named them, and then we branded them with those names. We picked out these names, and we wove them deep within the fabric of the identity of our children, and they had no say in this whatsoever. We bestowed names upon our children authoritatively. Something that people and cultures have done since the very beginning. When a child is born, you name it. Authoritatively. Giving a name is actually an act of authority, which may be one of the reasons why we often hear the expression, I want to make a name for myself. Right? What does that mean? I want to elevate myself above everybody else. I want to make a name for myself. But the reality is, when you and I were brought into this world, we didn't have the authority to name ourselves. We were given those names. But this morning, beloved, I want to talk to you about someone with ultimate authority. Because before you and I were ever even born, God was there. Always. God has been there. And having ultimate authority in the universe, nobody was there in the beginning to name God. He bestowed upon himself his own name, and by grace he has revealed his name to us. And I want to tell you this morning that the name of the Lord has so much significance. God's name is so significant. It shouldn't be changed. It shouldn't be trifled with. God's name is important. And this morning, as Pastor Spencer mentioned, we're going to dive into the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Now growing up, I grew up in a church. I heard this a lot. I don't know about you, but for me, I always thought that taking the name of the Lord in vain had to do with putting God's name next to a four-letter word that wasn't very good. That was the extent of what I thought this was all about. But this morning, Lord willing, we're going to see there is so much more to that. So I'm just going to quickly pray. I know we prayed a lot this morning, but prayer's good, so I'll pray one more time. And jump right in. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance that we have to gather together to worship. And I pray, Father, that this morning your name would be glorified, that you would be exalted, that you would be uplifted, and that we would be encouraged and edified and convicted, Father, regarding our conduct, regarding our use of your name. And so I just pray for help, for strength this morning, um, and that you would just open Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law this morning. Uh, We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So over the last couple weeks, we've been moving our way through a series in the Ten Commandments. We hit the First and the Second Commandments, and now we're on commandment number three. And I'll just read the full commandment. This is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It says this, The Lord is speaking to Moses. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is what does this commandment mean? And once we've tackled that, we're going to move on to why is this commandment so important. So, we're going to start with the first part. What does this mean? What does it mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? Well, I think the first thing we need to understand is the context here. God has made a covenant with the people of Israel. Remember the promises he made? Unconditional to Abraham. And he carried those promises on to Isaac and Jacob. I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. Kings will come from you. Look and see the sand and the stars, as many as they are. That's how many children you'll have. I'll make you into a great nation, and all the world will be blessed through you, Abraham. And he continues his promises. He has made promises to the people of Israel. And so when these people end up as slaves in Egypt, God still has a plan for Israel. And so he goes about this miraculous work. We talked about this the first week of rescuing and redeeming his people from their bondage to slavery in Egypt with a strong arm. God does these mighty acts. He, all these different plagues he pours out upon the Egyptians. Boils and the death of animals and darkness and gnats and all kinds of stuff. God does these amazing things to rescue his people, but before he even does that, he begins by calling a man, Moses. He appears to Moses in a burning bush. Moses was busy tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro at Mount Horeb, and all of a sudden there's a burning bush, and a voice comes out, and this is God speaking to Moses, laying out his rescue plan for the people of Israel. And if you know the story, you know that Moses responds by saying, Okay, but if the people of Israel say, or if I say, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, The people of Israel ask me, What is your name? What is his name? What should I tell them? See, the Lord is calling Moses. He's speaking to him. And Moses is going, Okay, but what's your name? What should I call you? And at that point in Exodus chapter 3, Verses 14 through 15, we see this. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord. Now anytime you see capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D in the Old Testament, that's a a symbol we use for the Hebrew name Yahweh. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me To you. This is my name forever. So, here in Exodus chapter 20, the name of the Lord, which in Hebrew, this name right here, Yahweh, has a very intimate connection to God's covenant with Israel. It's his personal, intimate name. So much significance here in this name, Yahweh. In fact, when he says, I am who I am, that's connected to that name. Yahweh, and it means to be, the self-existent one, one who's always been there. Several different deep meanings to this name. And so God reveals himself specifically to his covenant people. And so in our context immediately of the Ten Commandments, we know that God has just revealed himself personally to the people of Israel. And so it's a big deal that they know God's name. It sets them apart from all the other nations. There's not just one random God amongst many. This is Israel's God. This is Yahweh. That is his name. Now keep in mind, throughout the Bible, there are many different names that God reveals. God, Lord, God Almighty, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees, the everlasting God, the Lord is our banner, Lord God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of righteousness, Father, Jesus, We have many names for God throughout Scripture, and I believe that this commandment, the third commandment, to not take the Lord's name in vain, this applies to any name that God reveals for himself. We're not just talking about Yahweh. This is any name. So the subject here is God's name. It includes all the names, but I do think that in our context, there's a little bit of an emphasis uh, to what God revealed in Exodus 3. But for us, every name that God reveals, this is what the command is for. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what does the word vain mean? What does the word vain mean? Now, when I think of the word vain in the English language, I always think of the song, right? You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. You're so vain. In fact, that song has always messed with my head because it's kind of ironic, right? Because it actually is about the person. That's what she just said. It's really hard to get your mind around how that song works. Anyways, that's not in my notes. So we think of the word vain in English as a, a word meaning that you, you think that you're better than you are, or maybe you're really caught up in your own appearance or some, something like that. That's how we use the word vain primarily. But the word vain in Hebrew is the word shav here. And the primary meaning of the word shav is empty. So to empty God's name would be to render it useless or to make it trivial, void of any significance. That's the primary meaning of the word vain. The secondary meaning of the word shav is deceitful. So to use God's name deceitfully would be to portray it in such a way that contradicts truth. So at its core, this is what the third commandment is all about if you have your notes, you can follow along. If you want to use it in the app, you can follow the notes there, too. We have sermon notes in our app. The first point is this. Do not diminish God's name. Do not diminish God's name. Don't devalue it. Don't distort it. God's name is significant. So to empty it of, of any value is a violation of the third commandment. And God's name reveals something specific about himself. So to pervert that in any way is a violation of the third commandment. Do not diminish God's name. This is what the commandment is all about. And we can do that in a variety of ways. Do not diminish God's name. This is the third commandment. We got that? All right, Let's move on now. Now we we need to ask why. Why don't we diminish God's name? I mean, we know it's wrong. We know this is bad, but why is it such a big deal? You ever read through the Ten Commandments and go, oh, I would never do those ones. And then go, yeah, some of these I might do here and there. Murder? No. Adultery? Some of the biggies on that list. Stealing? But taking the Lord's name in vain, I and mean, why is this in the same category? Why is God putting this in that list? Is it really that big of a deal? It's just a name. Well, not exactly, because the Bible reveals some very amazing things about the name of the Lord. And this is why we don't diminish God's name. So if you're still following through with your handout, here's the first point. We do not diminish God's name, number one, because God's name is a revelation of his person. God's name is a revelation of his person. God's character and God's name are intertwined. Bottom line. You, you can't separate the two. Allow me to elaborate. Genesis 1-1. God creates the heavens and the earth. The name that we read here is Elohim. And that Hebrew name of God means strong one. Who else has the strength to create everything out of nothing? Genesis 17:1. God makes this impossible promise to Abraham. Abraham is 100 years old, his wife is barren, she's been barren. They cannot have children. And so God says, no, I'm going to make you into a great nation, Abraham. And the name of God here is El Shaddai, meaning Almighty God. Only someone Almighty can make a promise like that, to bring life out of death. Genesis 22, 14. God provides the substitute sacrifice. Right as Abraham is about to have to sacrifice his only son, God calls out to him and says, Abraham, Abraham, wait. And Abraham looks over and he sees the ram and the thicket. And God provides a substitute sacrifice for Abraham. The name of the Lord used here is Yahweh Yida, meaning the Lord who provides. Only God himself can provide a, a substitute sacrifice that's sufficient for us. Exodus 15, 26, God just purifies the water at Mara. The people have come out of Egypt, and now they're walking, they're thirsty, they come to, to Mara, this body of water that's bitter. And God purifies the water for them, and then God says, listen, if you're obedient to me, all those terrible plagues and diseases that fell upon the Egyptians, I will not have those fall upon you, because I am the God who heals. Once again, he reveals his name. I am the God who who heals. Only a divine physician can ensure a people like that of such health and prosperity. Over and over again in the Bible we get to know who God is, we get to know His character based upon His name. These two things cannot and should not be separated from one another so practically speaking we diminish God's name by using it in ways that are inconsistent with his character. This is one of the ways we violate the third commandment. We break this commandment when we drag God's name into something that's not true about him at all. Now, sometimes people do this intentionally. Particularly, there are maybe unbelievers or people who, who are angry at God and they'll say all these terrible things about God and completely blaspheme and and get his character completely wrong. But sometimes I think Christians or people who think they're Christians can unintentionally get this wrong all the time. I've heard this said quite a bit. Well, God loves everyone, he would never send someone to hell. Actually, that's wrong. It's a violation of the third commandment. Does God love everyone? Well, yes. There are ways in which God loves everyone, but God is also just, and he must punish sin. If he is a good judge, and he does not punish sin and unrighteousness, then he is not a just God. Is God love? Yes. But does God judge rightly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Using God's name in a way that's inconsistent with his character by saying something like that, that's violating the third commandment. You're dragging God's name and talking about him in a way that's inconsistent with his character. In fact, not only are you violating the third commandment by saying that, you're violating the second commandment because you're actually creating your own God in your head. Oh, well, God is love. My God would never send anyone to hell. Well, read Scripture Hell is a real place. This is why the gospel, this is why, one of the reasons, first of all, we advance the gospel because God is glorified when we advance his glory. But also because we love people, and we want them to know Christ, we advance the gospel as well. This is why we're doing this. Because heaven and hell are real. It's biblical. So when you say, oh, God would never do something like that, not only are you saying something untrue, but you're creating your own God in your mind. You're making an idol in your mind. Violating both the second and third commandments. The point let's use God's name wisely. Let's not misconstrue what Scripture reveals about God and His character. Do not diminish God's name. Why? Number one, because God's name is a revelation of His person, number two, because God's name is a representation of His presence. The second reason we don't violate this commandment is because God's name is a representation of his presence. In scripture, the use of God's name was often a way of expressing the fact that God was there. God was present. One of my favorite examples comes from the book of 1 Samuel. Now, I'm willing to bet that probably everybody in here, if Greta's still back there, she probably hasn't heard the story yet, but that's maybe the only one, has heard the story of David and Goliath. Goliath is the big giant. He's a Philistine, and he's standing there, and he's intimidating this army of Israel. And they're on both sides of the valley. And he's blaspheming God, and he's saying terrible things about the God of Israel. And everybody is afraid to fight him, except young shepherd boy David. David steps up, and he yells this out. Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. To come in the name of the Lord is another way of saying, God is on my side, God is here, he is present, he is fighting this battle, and I'm not afraid of you, Goliath. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm coming with the presence of God ready to fight. God's name is a representation of his presence. I want to tell a quick story. These are always fun. About a year ago or so, our middle son, Hudson, was really into name-dropping me anytime he wanted something. I even heard uh, some reports from the Sunday school here. So, Hudson would often say, my daddy said I could blank. Usually it was like have candy or something like that. My daddy said I could have candy. And I really never said that. But he would just name drop me all the time. My daddy said, my daddy said, my daddy said. I'd hear it all the time. People would say, no, Hudson's been saying that you told him you could do this. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. It got so bad. This is a true story. I hope Hudson never goes back and listens to sermons from when he was little. It got so bad that Hudson started saying that to me. So I would tell him, no, Hudson, you cannot have another cookie. And he said, well, my daddy said I could. And I would have to sit him down and go, Hudson, I am your dad. I'm right here, and I'm telling you no. Now, I tell this story because it illustrates exactly what we do to God sometimes. We diminish God's name by using it as if God doesn't exist or if he isn't around. For some of us, maybe it's just being a little bit careless. We'll say something about God and not really thinking through the fact that God is there. He is hearing you speak of his name. But a lot of times I think it's also something else. I've talked about this before, but I get a little bit nervous when someone comes up to me and says... God told me to tell you blank. I know this is a little bit controversial. Some people come from backgrounds biblically where that happens more often. I am not doubting that God still speaks to us. I am not doubting that God prompts us or leads us. But I am doubting that God gives us new revelation. If someone says, oh, God told me something new entirely this is what the church should be all about, I go, whoa, 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 wait a second. I believe that revelation primarily should always be interpreted in light of Scripture. I've talked about this before. I can tell you, hey, God is telling me to tell you not to cheat on your wife. And the reason I can do that is because it's very clear in Scripture. And if I feel God prompting me to confront someone about something like that, it's very clear. But God is not giving me new words for the church or a new message that previously had been unveiled. Scripture is pretty clear that in the past, God spoke through the prophets and the apostles, but in his last days, he speaks to us through his son. And the revelation of Jesus is scripture. Everything that I know about God, I interpret in light of his word. And so to be honest, when people come to me and say, God told me, It's kind of exactly the same thing as saying, my daddy said. Because what often happens, maybe it's unintentional, but I think sometimes it can be intentional, is they put a little stamp of authority. Maybe something that they want to see happen, maybe looking for attention, whatever it is, but to put God's name in something is a little extra stamp of authority. That's, in my opinion, that's a violation of the third commandment. Don't use God's name as if he's not there or if he doesn't exist or or can't hear you. Whatever you're saying, God is there. Be careful. Watch out. God's name is a representation of his presence. He is always there and he hears us. So be careful how we use his name. It is not a tool that we manipulate to get our own way. Don't try to spiritualize whatever you want careful how you use God's name. This is important. So let's go back to the question again. Why do we not diminish God's name? Number one, because God's name is a revelation of his person. Number two, because God's name is a representation of his presence. And number three, because God's name is a reflection of his power. God's name is a reflection of his power. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower The righteous man runs into it and is safe. There is power in God's name. Amen? There's power in God's name. Scripture has so many examples of this. I'm just going to bring up one example. One of my favorite examples is in John 18. Jesus is there. These men are going to come arrest him as he's being betrayed. And Jesus goes up to them first and says, Hey, who are you seeking? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus responds by saying, I am he. And immediately, everybody falls to the ground. Now, it's a good story, but to understand this fully, it's helpful if we understand exactly what Jesus is saying. Because in Greek, Jesus responds with two words. Ego, ami." I am. Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Now, Jesus is affirming the fact that he is Jesus of Nazareth. But also, if you remember before in Exodus chapter 3, when God revealed himself as Yahweh, what does he say? I am who I am. Later on, he says, tell them that the I am has sent you. Any good Hebrew, any good person who followed Scripture back then would know. I am is is a reference to God. Jesus is using this name here, and immediately after he says this name, the people fall down in fear. There is power in God's name. Power in the name of the Lord, and the reality is we diminish God's name by using it in ways that are trivial or careless. We diminish God's name by using it in a trivial or careless manner. If we're flippant about the way we use God's name, Whether it's connected to inappropriate language or we're just being foolish, we're completely ignorant to the power of God. There's power in the name of the Lord. God is not impotent. His name is not to be underestimated because my Bible tells me that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of the Lord. And we may neglect to remember and to uphold God's name now, but one day God's name will be respected and honored among the nations. God promises it. He says, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. This comes to my last point. We're wrapping up now. Explicitly, the third commandment tells us not to diminish God's name. But if we take that commandment and we flip it upside down and we look at it positively, what is God telling us to do? What is the opposite of making something small? It's making it big. It's making it great. So instead of diminishing God's name, making it small, the third commandment implicitly is calling for us to magnify God's name. The implications of this third commandment are that God is calling for us to worship him. God is calling for us to honor him. The third commandment expresses God's desire for us to exalt his name, to give him glory, to honor him, to sing his praises, to make his name great among the nations. This is God's desire for his name. Not that we just use it flippantly, inappropriately, in a way that's not in accordance with his character, as a way to curry some sort of authority for something we want to abuse it. That's not how God wants his name used. This is why the psalmist says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's why David says in 2 Samuel, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. God's name is important, so let's not act as if it's disconnected to his person, his presence, or his power. Beloved, this commandment is essential for us. God deserves all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. So by God's grace and by his enablement, let's remember this commandment this morning. And as we wrap up, let's magnify the name of the Lord together in worship. Amen? And let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Father, knowing that this series and some of these topics are so big and so broad, there are things we could say for many, many weeks on